Well, good evening, everyone, to another session of OBW Talks, the podcast of Old Baptist Weekly. And I just want to remind everybody, Old Baptist Weekly still broadcasts every Wednesday night, starting at 7 p.m. Central, <clears throat> and God willing, it will for a while longer. Uh, at, certainly for as long as we feel like the Lord's in it. And the same goes true for our talks podcast. We want to always be mindful that uh, as long as the Lord's, we feel like the Lord's with us, we want to do it. Our main prayer is that the truth be proclaimed, that God be honored, and those who listen and watch are edified. And uh, we don't want this to replace your study of the Bible. We just want this to maybe help you or to yeah. stir up your pure minds as you study God's Word. Nothing should replace personal study of God's Word. <clears throat> so we are going to we're going to have Galatians, uh, the commentary on it for several more sessions. God being our helper, we don't know how many. Uh, I, I I don't even want to hazard a guess, although I have a guess. But we're going to do. Now, to this evening, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. And as we have done in the past, and so shall we forever and ever, amen, we'll have Brother Joe do his level set for us, which, by the way, is usually enough. If you just watch that, you probably got the whole broadcast. You know, you got this. It's a level set, Joe. Come on. <clears throat> and the Lord's blessed you so far. We give the glory to, to God, Joe. Okay. Keep praying. Okay. And speaking of prayer, uh, if you'll allow me, we'll go to God for a word of prayer, and then I'll turn it over to Brother Joe. And then after that, uh, mass mayhem will ensue. So if you'll go with us, we'll go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee so much for letting us be a part of this beautiful day, for letting us, Lord, uh, meditate and think about thy holy word and now lord to have the opportunity to study it with these wonderful brethren whom we love so very much we we thank you for them lord oh they're such a blessing to me and to so many others we pray now lord that you would settle our minds and then freshen our minds to see in the verses that we have tonight the truth that would be honoring to thee and that it would be edifying to thy people we pray that we might not say anything amiss, Lord, but if we do, please let us see it and forgive us of our sins and help us to do better as we go on. Bless Brother Joe and his level set, Brother Mark, Brother Jerry, and even me, Lord, as we attempt to discuss thy word. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake, and amen. 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 Brother Joe. <clears throat> Thank you. Galatians stands apart in so many ways. It harmonizes with the other books of the New Testament, but in many ways, it's a book of its own kind and sort. Unlike all of his other letters, which despite the problems he addresses in the recipients, in Galatians, Paul goes from his introduction immediately to a very terse, confrontation of relations. Before we focus on that point, however, 
I think we need to remember the opening points that Paul makes. Number one, no matter how, how far they have departed, he still respects them as a church or as churches of the Lord Jesus. He reminds them of the blessings that they have in Jesus. He, he prays for grace to them and peace among them and focuses them on, on Jesus and what he did for us. He still loves them. Later in the book, he'll call them my little children. He loves them. He cares for them, but he's upset with them. And he makes that quite clear. In our first session last week, we covered Paul's opening, his, in, his introduction to the letter. We literally today, tonight, begin the actual body of the Galatian letter. Before I comment, let me read the first the, the verses, verses 6 through 10. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you. The, the word trouble is translated from a Greek word meaning agitate, stir up. There be some that troubled you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. <clears throat> As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men. For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I want to start my thoughts and level set, as you call it, with the, the, the big question about Galatians. What did these Galatians believe? What did the people who troubled the Galatians and and, and deceive them into believing something different from what Paul preached to them, and they believed, that would cause such a reaction in Paul in this letter as he begins it. I think, Mark, last week you mentioned that in the entire book of Galatians, there's not one reference by name to Moses, although there is reference to several of the... the uh, rituals, for lack of a better term, included in the Mosaic Code. And, and Mike, you made a, a good point, too, that while these people were not really trying to keep all of Moses' law, they tried to pick and choose, and they were creating a corrupt gospel that tried to take parts of what Moses codified and I'd have to say, based on the opening verse of our study tonight, part of Jesus, mm -hmm. and put it together into a hybrid gospel that Paul and that analyzes and says, but it's not the gospel. Mm -hmm. So in that setting, what's, what's the real issue? I have to say, in my recent study of Galatians in the last several years, I come increasingly to the conviction 
that Paul's focus throughout the book of Galatians is not primarily on how God saves sinners in terms of eternal salvation. It deals with a lifestyle, Mm. a corrupted, perverted lifestyle that in its core departs from the centrality of faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. For example, Paul repeatedly in Galatians uses present tense or other verb tenses that identify an ongoing lifestyle. For example, in chapter 2, verse 16, we have believed in Jesus that we might be justified by the faith of Jesus or the faith of Christ. In the closing of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, Paul identified three years plus 14 years, 17 years plus the time from his visit to Jerusalem until he wrote the Galatian letter, well over 17 years since Damascus Road. In that verse, he is directly addressing the Apostle Peter, who has been following Jesus since he left his fishing boats at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. If that we might be justified by faith refers to eternal salvation Mm -hmm. after over 17 years of walking by faith and being an exemplary apostle of Jesus, Paul is not yet justified. Mm. He is not yet (laughs) eternally saved. And Peter, after a greater length of time, what what opportunity, what possibility does that leave for you and me? Mm. (laughs) We're out, folks. (laughs) We might as well give up and go home. In chapter 2, verse 20, one of the most beautiful verses in the entire letter, I am crucified with Christ. He didn't say I was crucified with Christ. Every day Paul woke up, I am, I am. It's a crucified with Christ lifestyle, he describes, the life which I now live, I Mm -hmm. live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, we could go through the whole book. This pattern follows that sequence through the whole book. Right. In contrast, I'll just give you two out of any number of passages that I could offer. Typically, in the New Testament, when inspired writers speak of our eternal salvation, that event which made us members of the family of God, it's a once and done, and it's past tense. Yeah. Right. Two passages, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, he delivered us past tense from the wrath to come. Right. Titus 3.5, he saved us past tense by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. As we go through Galatians, we'll see Paul repeatedly contrasting a perversion of Moses' law, not God's intended purpose for it. In fact, Paul will say as much as he says in Hebrews in Galatians about the real purpose for which God gave the law, and both first-generation Jewish people in the temple and these Christians who had gone to Galatia and corrupted the Galatian believers were not following 
the inspired and God intended purpose of Moses' law, they had perverted it. They were teaching a false Mosaic code. Paul will contrast that perversion of the law, not Moses and what he really intended by the direction of God with faith. He will repeatedly identify Abraham as the model of faith throughout the centrality of his strongest arguments. In chapter 311, he will quote from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, the just shall live by faith. In Habakkuk 2, 4, there's one additional word which Paul did not use here. The just shall live by his faith. I don't want to harp on the point, but I want to make the point. This text is often quoted today, but misinterpreted. The text does not state that an unjust person has a moment of faith and becomes just and gains life. The person under consideration is already just. The just. It's not a once and done single act Habakkuk refers to. It's a lifestyle shall live by. The rule of life is faith, not any code perverted or intended and given righteously from God. The lifestyle God intended from the beginning was modeled in Abraham, who lived and and exemplified faith several centuries before Moses, and God gave Moses the law. But the Abrahamic faith existed long before. I believe that this point and basically Galatians 3.11 give us the heartthrob of the reality Paul wants to bring these people back to where he had taught them originally and where these people had drawn them away to a perversion. And we need to keep in mind as we study Galatians, our charge from God in the gospel is that we model our faith, our life, after the faith of Jesus Christ. With that, my friends, I open to the, as, as Mike fondly says, the peanut gallery. <laughs> Man. I feel like extra crunchy peanut butter right now. I tell you what. Yeah, no, right? That was that's the, like that kicking was open a double barn door, brother Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody better go. Well, you know what? So many good thoughts. How in the world can I I put them in a, a single lane here? Uh brother Joe, I I appreciate uh, so much the point that you made. You know, here we are in the sixth verse, and um it's not to discount verses one through five. I, I thought that the Lord blessed uh, our last discussion to to elevate um, some very important things in verses one through five. But certainly it's introductory in a lot of ways, because right now in verses six through ten and then going beyond really is the meat of, of the matter. One thing that I want to call to remembrance in my mind, and Paul says it plainly in, in verse Verse one, the, his authority, his qualifications in some total uh, comes by Jesus Christ. It, it is not of man. And I think that theme is absolutely necessary to, for us to hold on to as we talk tonight and as we go forward through this, this entire letter, 
that Paul sets forth. And he makes the point again in, in our study verses relative to the gospel that Christ himself brought. When, um, you know, in, in verse six, uh, just to read it again, um, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Um, you know, I, you read a lot of commentaries and a lot of them want to point to Paul as the him in, in the verse. And, you know, if you just look at the sentence structure itself, it won't allow for that. No, um, it, it just won't. So you have, we have to, to look uh, elsewhere <laughs> and, and brother Joe, you, you stated it plainly. Um, I wonder sometimes if, if we lose sight of the fact of what of the gift that Christ hand delivered to his people in the gospel that testifies of him. It is of him and how wonderful it is to know that it is of him because that means it, it's perfect. He brought it himself and uh, it, it, we are commanded not to add anything to it and not take anything away from it. Um, and it's been given to us. It's been, we have been called unto it. Um, and, and in so doing, we, we have a fellowship with Christ that I think you can, you can only have in, um, in embracing and believing and walking in, uh, in the beauty of the gospel. Um, one point I want to make, and then I'm going to uh, turn it, uh, turn it over to one of these other, uh, peanuts in the gallery, um, that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Grace, um, what a wonderful word that is. And when we hear grace, our mind goes probably in a number of different directions. I think it's important to keep it really close to context. Um, we love grace because by grace, we are saved to heaven and immortal glory through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we rejoice in that, in that truth. The word grace is, if I can define it, and, and not just me define it, but looking at it, it's divine influence upon the heart. And certainly we know that by God's grace, uh, that heart and stony heart has been, uh, been changed to a heart of flesh. And we understand that. But in this context, uh, and I read in, in Vine's uh, expository, which I really do like, uh, Brother Joe, I know you have your favorites, and uh, they're they're rapidly becoming mine too. <laughs> but Vines is, yeah, Vines Vines says divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life of the recipient. Now, I'll tell you. Uh, first of all, the new birth comes with responsibility and expectation, but in the context of this, Christ gave us His gospel. And brought us unto a nearness unto him. And he has given it to us with expectation. And, and why wouldn't we want to embrace it? Especially knowing that it's, it came from him and not man. It's not tainted in, in any way. And I think that is a foundation that we have to hold to as we examine this letter um, uh, you know, going forward. Um, and I think Paul makes so, so many wonderful points relative to that. So I, with that, uh, tag on to your wonderful level set, Joe. Um, I, I hand it off to uh, another peanut in the gallery. Another peanut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jerry, may I, before they, they, they yeah. comment, I need to underscore 
you, you make a, a stellar gem of a point. Him that called you. Mm, yes. Jesus calls us into mm. his grace. Mm. Underscore. He does not call us into a rigid legal code of mm. behavior, much right. less a perverted or, or partial legal code. He calls us to manifest the same grace toward each other that he showed us when he saved us. That's the true gospel lived out in the feet. Thank Amen. you for that point. That's a Amen. gem. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, missing that point misses the point of the entirety of not just these five that's verses, right. but the entirety of, of the, the whole of the book. Right. Amen. So, Brother Joe, you I wrote this down. You talked about a crucified with Christ lifestyle. That is a fantastic gem, if you ask me. <laughs> so in these uh, five first five or the five verses we're looking at, verse six through ten. In verse six, he talks about the grace of Christ. In verse seven, he talks about the gospel of Christ. In verse 10, he talks about being the servant of Christ. Or if he doesn't do what he should be doing, he would not be the servant of Christ, right? So immediately, and, I, and he mentions uh, the name Christ in the preceding verses that we talked about last time. So immediately, he's, he's calling attention not just to Christ, but away from himself. Um, which is a, a great, great tool that he uses in this. So grace of Christ, gospel of Christ, servant of Christ. So brother Jerry already read verse six, which, which ends with unto another gospel verse seven then says, which is not another, Yeah, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So I think, Brother Jerry, you've 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 just nailed it. The gospel of Christ isn't just about Christ, but it's of and by him. Absolutely. And that's what the apostle Paul, and even to us today, the realization that this gospel does not come by man. It came by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the he is the first preacher of the gospel, if you will. Uh, because he is the gospel and he gave the gospel. So let's look at this and would pervert the gospel of Christ just for a moment. So I think gospel of Christ and try to drive it down to the, the, the simplest of terms. And I don't know about y'all. And I'd love to hear what your verse or verses might be. Mine's always been Matthew one twenty one. I mean, wow. There it is contained in so few words, <laughs> she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. There it is. Yeah. There's the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, 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 it's, it contains everything uh, with regard to Jesus Christ, why he came into the world <clears throat> and, and what he did when he came into the world and what he finished it says he shall save his people. It doesn't have might, maybe could. He shall save his people from their sin. Right. That the why would anyone want to pervert that? <laughs> I don't know. 
And in fact, I looked up one verse that came to mind, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, where he utters some similar type words, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Any deviation, you know, if you've been, if you've taken stats and, and all of that and talk, you f- figure out what one standard deviation is. And, you know, looking at it from a mathematical perspective, it's, it's not that much, right? <clears throat> Brother Hewlin Bass taught me a lesson one time. He was a pilot and I got to fly with him. And he said, if your bearing is 280 degrees and you set off on a bearing of 281 degrees, he says, after 10 miles, it's not that much. After a thousand miles, you're so off course, you don't know where you are. Powerful point. And uh, that if we, if we pervert or allow our minds to be beguiled away from the simplicity that is in Christ, then we ourselves arrive at the state that I believe the churches of Galatia were in. And the apostle Paul and that crucified with Christ lifestyle, um, you know, it's not a one and done. It's not, oh, I heard the gospel. I believe the gospel. Um, You know, I'm not, I don't need to, to continue in it or anything. That kind of mindset that we are, are, not only able to be, but prone to fall into is the mindset that the churches of Galatia fell into. And Paul was so upset that he used words like, (laughs) it's not another gospel. Um, There's some that trouble you. There's some that would pervert the gospel of Christ. Strong language, very strong language for a subject that is so critical not because the it's Paul's not saying, you know, I'm I'm disappointed that, you know, you didn't listen to what I said, but it's more so I'm disappointed because you're not listening to what the Lord said and you're not listening yeah. to his words and you're not living a crucified with Christ lifestyle, which brother Joe right. ties right back to that <laughs> the just shall live by faith or the just shall live by his faith. Um, just some thoughts on those verse six and seven that brother Jerry just stirred up in my mind. Well, you certainly kept the pot stirring brother. Next, next peanut. (laughs) (laughs) You were going to keep on going. No, I got to stop. I'm not going to take up all the time. You you were doing (laughs) Jerry was doing so good. I didn't think nobody could do better. And then you come on and now I'm thinking, boom. All right. Well, crank it out. Crank it out. Well, I have a few uh, preliminary things to say about where we, how we got, how Paul got to the sixth verse, and I, Joe touched on this very much in his level set. But I, here, I want to, I want to reemphasize something. In all of his letters, to to my mind, except for Hebrews, which doesn't have any kind of hello or introduction, uh, and maybe uh, Philemon because it's such a personal letter. Mm-hmm. Galatians does not have, I thank God for you mm-hmm. section mm-hmm. like Romans has. Right. I mm-hmm. thank God on every remembrance of you. Yeah. Uh, there's no thank you. Uh, and thank God for you <laughs> in the part, in this part of the letter where you would normally see it in other of Paul's letters. I think that sets a state by not having it. It, it says something. Yep. It does. I'm not saying it. It says something. And we get the full 
brunt of it when he says, I marvel. Uh, in the modern parlance, we might say, I'm shocked. I can't believe it. What happened? What, what in the world? Just like I've said before, like dad would say when me and David did some numbskull things, what, why, how in the world? Well, <clears throat> Paul sees these, these people as his little children. And he talks about traversing in pain. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's very personal. But what makes it even more personal is that he says what he says about being removed from him. Yes. Yes. Uh, some some uh, commentaries will say he's talking about himself. That is Paul. Paul saying, you're so soon removed from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were removing themselves from Paul. And I think one of the tactics of the teachers was to discredit Paul in any way that they could. But Paul is saying, what you had that you're de- and that which you're defecting from is not so much the gospel, but it's the God that sends the gospel, the God that, mm-hmm. that is preached in this gospel. Um, <clears throat> think about Romans 1, 7, 16, 17, especially verse 17, where it says, for therein, that is in the gospel, is the mm-hmm. righteousness of God revealed. And... So it's not the preacher that's revealed. I mean, something's revealed about him when he preaches a bad sermon, I suppose. (laughs) But when you're blessed of the Spirit, the last thing that happens is emphasis on the preacher. It is, matter of fact, the best sermon you probably ever heard is the one you can't remember who preached it. Mm -hmm. And and I and I like to think that's that happens to me because nobody remembers any of the sermons (laughs) I've ever preached. That was supposed to be a joke, guys. That was supposed to be funny. Okay. <laughs> he called you into the grace. I like to think that he what he didn't say. He didn't say, I called you by grace. Yeah. I called you into grace by of Christ and to another gospel. I think what he's saying is the Joe, we are made to live in in this sphere of grace influence. Yeah. Yeah. And and the Galatians were stepping out of that sphere, out right, of, right. of that yes. cosmos, if you will, of grace. <clears throat> they were stepping back into the cosmos of this present evil world, which right. Paul said Evilism. at the very beginning, he delivered us. He did what he did to deliver us from this present evil world. So I think Galatians talks about spheres of influence. Grace is one. And in grace, there's life. And that life is a life not only that you have, but it's a life that you, may I say, that you live every day that is characteristic of the grace into which you've been called. And it's, um, Paul says another gospel. I'm, I might be surprised that he called heresy a gospel, even another gospel. But I think what he's doing here is using the, the own statements of these false teachers. They said what they were teaching the people was the right. gospel. Right. Yeah. Paul's yeah. was not the yeah. gospel. Right. So he says, okay, you've, you've stepped out of the gospel of grace, out of the sphere of the of grace influence. And later on in Galatians 5, he's going to talk about those who think they're justified by the law, they have fallen from grace. From grace. Yeah. Now, we know he cannot be talking about eternal life, the grace that brings eternal life. Uh, but you can fall from the sphere of influence, from the, the lifestyle that is indicative of grace. 
It all starts with what you think is right, what you think is true. And these false teachers were saying that uh, we've got a better deal for you, although they would say it a lot classier than what I just said. Obviously, people go to the thing that they think will benefit them. But Paul is saying you are going exactly away from the very best thing that there is. That's right. The grace of Christ, the, the gospel of Christ. And uh, one last thing about the hymn that called you, we'll find later on in Galatians, especially in the third chapter, where Paul makes it clear that it's not the minister that, that does these things that make right. you happy. The teachers wanted them to think they were the ones yeah. that were was giving them all these goodies. No, it's Paul says, what you had when I was there, it wasn't me. It was God that gave it to you. That's right. right. When Christ is preached mm. in, in power and demonstration <clears throat> of the Spirit, you should see God, mm. the Father of Jesus Christ, our Father. Right. And, and that's what... <clears throat> He's saying to them is that if you preach any of if if you anyone preaches even an angel that's a pretty strong thing. Yep. even an angel from heaven should preach anything other than what I preach unto you let him be a curse I think a the curse. Greek word is anathema yes correct and and mm -hmm. that's a pretty strong word it's very strong yeah, yeah. Um, um, should we take it so far as to say Paul would say if they were children of God that they he wished they weren't? I don't think he's saying that. <clears throat> but I think what we fail to to get sometimes is there are consequences for what you believe to be true. Yeah. Just think about it. What you believe to be true is what you're going to follow after and do in order to have what you think is true. Yeah. And if you go after Paul saying if you go after the way of these false teachers. There is a curse that Jesus Christ delivered you from by his death, and you're going back to that curse, mm. yeah. a cursed way of life. That's right. <clears throat> um, the word troubled really troubles me. <laughs> In the, uh, the seventh verse, he taught, I think this is the first and maybe one of the rare occasions when Paul admits that there are some people preaching a false gospel to the Galatians when he says, there uh, there be some that trouble you. Right. That He doesn't say how many. And then, let, and then in just a minute, he'll say he that troubles you. Uh, there may have been two men, three men, four men. But it seems like there might have been a leader among those men. We know hardly anything. And I think that's by by Paul's plan in writing the letter and the, and the inspiration. He didn't give them any more press than he had to to make the point that he needed to make. Right. And that's an instructive thing for us preachers, right? There, is, there are untruths that we need to straighten out. There, there, there are bad notions about things, and we need to stay away from, from mentioning the people that are at, at fault, except for in the rare instances when we have to say it. It should be the exception rather than the rule that we talk about other denominations or other oh, yeah. kinds of gospels. I think Paul yeah, would say right. today, he says, you know, anytime you skin, you skin one of these other denominations, you're, you are not following in the right path. You you're not preaching the gospel. Yeah, that's you're right. not preaching the gospel. You're preaching yourself. And what we will that's find right. in Amen. that last <laughs> verse, 
He says, when you do stuff like that, you're seeking to please men, not God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is right. Obviously, uh, I think the teachers were accusing Paul of pleasing men. How they could do this, it it seems to beg. uh, It just seems to to go beyond reason. But I kind of like what Paul does here. Of course, I do. I really like what Paul does here. (laughs) After he says the really strong about let him be accursed, then he says, for do I now persuade men or God? Now, there's no verse written in the vacuum. That verse, 10th verse, is tied to, directly to what he just said. It sure right? is. And, it, and I think there's an implication that Paul was a man pleaser. So here's what he says. What do you think about me now? What I've just said. Let anybody that preaches any other gospel than what I preach to be accursed. Uh, Paul just proved right there he's anything but a man pleaser. Mm-hmm. That's right. He is sim- he is solely there to please God. And and it says in that tenth verse, do I for do I now persuade men or God? I don't think Paul means like we would that. I'm trying to get God on my side. I'm trying to make marshal my argument so he'll agree with me. That's not the point. What he's saying is I'm trying my best to preach the truth in a way that pleases God. Mm-hmm. And that would persuade others uh, that and that it would pers- and and that it would uh cause a sense of uh God's presence in the preaching, but I think he also is saying that my life is not about you, Galatians, and it's not about those false teachers that trouble you and me so much. It's not even about me. It's right. about God and Jesus Christ. Amen. Right. That's his life. And I think that speaks volumes for why he can say, let him be a curse that preaches another gospel. <clears throat> because Paul's mindset is, I'm not going to preach anything other than what Jesus Christ gave me to preach. Right. Period. And anybody who says anything other than what Christ has revealed to me, well, they're going against Christ. They're not going against me. I'm just saying what Christ showed me. And so if you're going to go against it, you're going against the one who gave it to me. Right. And if you wonder if Paul's saying the truth, then you can, he backs up what he says with Scripture, 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 Scripture. He goes back to Scripture time and again to, to support that revelation that Christ gave him. It wasn't some oddball, out-of-the-left-field, uh, unsupportable revelation. Christ never does that. Whatever Christ reveals, it may be new in a sense to us, but it is always provable by the abiding word of God. Amen. And the abiding word of God is the Bible. And to Paul and to the other apostles, the Bible is what we call today the Old Testament. And moreover, they used more likely than not the Greek language version of the Old Testament that we call the Septuagint, the LXX. And Joe and others know this, but I just want to say about Habakkuk's 2.4, if you read it in in the Septuagint, it has something really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought-provoking. Right. And it uses a totally different preposition, right, Joe, than yes, the his. It, it says, the just shall live by my faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, that's unambiguous, is it not? Yeah. It's, and it's and not in that matter. verse, it's God his. is the speaker. Yeah, it's God, God is the speaker. Yeah, obvious. It's God is speaking, God is saying, my mm-hmm. faith. Yeah. The person who lives, the just shall live by my faithfulness, by my fidelity. And if you think about the, the scene that, that is before Habakkuk, the, the 
the thing God said he's going to do to his own people through the Chaldeans because of their disobedience, it's bad. I mean, they're going to go through a terrible persecution, prim- primarily, maybe solely because of their disobedience to God. And God is saying, no matter how bad it gets, hang on to me, abide in me, don't let go of me, Amen. stay with me. And Joe, you're so right. <clears throat> a just, the just is not someone who became just. It is the person who is just, mm-hmm. who, whose mm-hmm. essential nature is just. By any definition, first and foremost, that is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Amen. in Acts, he's called the just one. The just one. Yes. Yep. In another place, in John's first epistle, he's called Jesus Christ, comma, the righteous. That's a title as much as a descriptor. He is the just one. How then are we just? And Paul's going to get into this, but I think the only way sinners can be accounted as just is if they are in Christ and God sees us through the shed blood of Christ. And as long as we live, we should live by the faith that Christ himself exhibited. We partake of that faith. We don't go to the faith store and get it. Of course, it's it's a blessing to us. But anyone who is of the faith of Christ belongs to Christ. And as such, God sees them as just. He's the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. That's a precious truth to me. And in these wonderful verses, these uh, this verses 6 through 10, I'm convinced we've, we found... Paul's thesis statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, I preach the gospel. There is another gospel. It is not the gospel. Yep. Right. And the gospel is about grace. And when you go to the other gospel, you're out of grace. You're, you move mm-hmm. yourself away from grace. Yeah. So it's serious. And I'll, uh, I'll <laughs> be talking for about 45 minutes. I apologize. Pretty much. <laughs> When you're preaching the truth, don't apologize. Hey, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Let, let it fly, brother. <laughs> well, a lot of these things we're reading are just now being introduced. Yep, and there's a right. lot of unpacking that will take place in the remainder yep. of Galatians. Yep. No doubt. Uh, which will probably take a few more sessions to go before we get to the actual doctrinal unpacking. But Right. I think, you know, we, 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 Mike, oh. Mike way, to, way to level set the level set. Right. <laughs> I, I, yes. I mean, what I just a, said my amen to it, and that's all I'm doing. What a wonderful journey! You know, real quick, uh, and I, I saw Joe's head bouncing, so I'm going to be really quick. Uh, isn't this about really origin? Um, you know, Paul constantly raises this. Takes our and brother Mark, you made the point. Not only is Paul just like lifting up the person of Christ in its entirety, uh, see him, don't see me, and don't see any other man. Anybody else? Nobody. Nobody else. else. Nobody yeah. else. Um, yeah. uh, you know what? A, a real quick thing. Uh, it, my goodness, Mike, you went all the way down through the tenth, and it's like, that's <laughs> all one. Accursed. Accursed. Anathema. That's a very serious term. Yeah. That is a, I mean, that, that is, uh, uh, that, that's pretty serious. And um, I don't want to be guilty of that. Um, I don't want to be the recipient of, of that. Um, you know, uh, back to um, 
you know, I, I, again, I use vines and I, I love some of their narrative they have um, because it's, they keep it contextual in many instances, this word is used in a number of different places uh, in scripture, but here we're in Galatians one, eight and nine, their narrative is to preach another gospel was to nullify the death of Christ. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. Oh, uh, you, you talk about severity, seriousness, uh, brother Mark, you raised the point and you actually offered uh, the challenge or the invite, I guess. I love Matthew 1 and 20, 21 uh, relative to the gospel. I tend to go to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3. Um, you know, Paul's That's dealing with it. Yes. Yeah. It's a sugar stick. No yeah, doubt. Sugar oh, no, and, sugar stick. <laughs> and, and Paul makes the point that I'm delivering unto you that which was delivered to me, origin, origin, oh, that, origin. That's origin. what he just said in that verse. That's six. just yeah. what he said, oh, right? And and then he he calls out the beauty and the benefit and the blessing of it because there's a deliverance if if we will if we will maintain and stand in our belief of the gospel that Christ brought. There is no deliverance outside of that. There there just isn't. Uh, to pervert the gospel of Christ, it's to corrupt it. And I love, I love this word picture. It's to turn across. Now, when I, a lot of t- I, I tend to uh, use driving a lot because it's a nemesis for me. <laughs> um, it, I, I, t- I tend to be challenged in that. How do you feel when, when you're driving down the road and somebody just cuts you off, turns right across in front of you? That's a very abrupt thing. It's uh, it's like an intersection and, and someone cuts right in front of you. That's what these uh, these individuals you referred to, Mike, were doing as they corrupted and perverted the true gospel. They were they were causing an obstruction. Right. And when that happens, you know, we slam on the brakes, we serve to the right, we swerve to the left to try to avoid collision, all of those things. Uh, you know, that we got to be very careful and on alert uh, where, where that's concerned. And the best way to do it is to look to origin. If it comes from man, they're cutting you off. They're cutting right in front of you. You're fixing to get in a wreck. <laughs> yes. If I the like origin that. remains that Christ. Great. When the origin remains Christ, you're just smooth sailing. You're mm. you're in, you're just riding right along. You're in the HOV lane. <laughs> HOV, yeah. I tell you. Without having I to pay you. Without having to yeah. Oh my no tax, yes. Such a wonderful, wonderful truth. Oh, love it. Joe, well, are you about to about Yeah, to, I think go. Brother Joe's about to pop. Let me say I, I want to say I, one thing in that last point that Jerry made. I don't know about y'all, but it also goes in line with that trouble is when something like that, somebody crosses over. And gets in my way and, and everything. Yeah. One of the first thoughts that comes to my mind is why did they do that? Yeah. Yeah. And so what it does is it causes perplexity in, in the mind. That's what that and, trouble word. That's what it means. Yeah. And that's what Paul Good. was concerned. Somebody, not only did somebody just, just get right in front of them and totally, you know, uh, take the, take the, the lead on the wrong way, but it left the Galatians with, with perplexity in their minds. Yes, absolutely. And so instead of staying, I love it, Jerry, stay, instead of staying with the origin, instead of saying, you know, why did, why did they preach that? 
well, this is what it is. So we're going to just stay over here. Instead of staying with the origin, they allowed that to enter their minds, to, to pervert their minds, to baffle them, to perplex them to where they're like, oh, okay, well then maybe this is what we ought to be doing. So that's right. I mean, that's great. Stay with the origin. Oh my goodness. Right. Oh my goodness. You know, I gotta but, stop because Joe. <laughs> well, you know, another thought, comes, another thought <laughs> comes to mind with that illustration is uh you know, when that happens, and you're right, Brother Mark, it, it brings question and perplexity and sure. all those things. You know what else it does? It puts your safety in jeopardy. Yes, yes. It, it and that is what that's what gets me more than anything, quite frankly, relative to the illustration. Uh, it's not just about having a bad, bad driver there was intent behind these that would corrupt. Yes, exactly. There was intent. It, it wasn't right? an accident. No, no I don't think it was, it was an accident. It was intentional. So, all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, our favorite theme. And all of you have underscored it. Mike, you, you really spotlighted the point is grace. Him that called you into the grace of Christ. (laughs) Invariably, when you bring up a passage and the problem that existed 2,000 years ago in some remote Mediterranean area church, well, that doesn't have it. What does that have to do with us today? Oh, and I'm going to suggest it has everything to do with us today. The more I look at it, the more I say yes. Galatians, for example, there's a cliche, sadly well-earned. A Christian community is the only community that kills its wounded. Oh, wow. Too many of us have lived that cliche and earned that brand. When we do, we need Galatians. Yes. That's what Paul is going after, an attitude that is judgmental, that is my way or the highway, you're wrong, I'm right, and and that's not grace. That's not grace. Okay, there's somebody drop a mic right now. Drop oh, a mic. <laughs> hey, I, there's lots of verses that corroborate everything you brethren have said, but here's one about the curse. Okay. First Corinthians 16.22. Right. Is Mark, is Brother Mark, are you, still on the, are you still on the session? Do you have your Bible open to that yet? <laughs> are you I'm still like, what did my camera, what happened? <laughs> What'd you That's say, 16 and 22? I want 22? you to read in 1 Corinthians 16. 16, 16 and 22. Got yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be uh, Anamitha and uh, Maranatha. I'm sorry, I asked you to read it now. <clears throat> but the, <laughs> but the, in that, that's just really what Paul's saying in the uh, seventh and eighth verses, is he not? Let yep. him be a curse. The church, it's, it would be maybe a stretch to say he's telling the church to have a formal proceeding against these men. But uh, essentially, he's saying, get to stay not only. Stay away from them, but cast them out and have nothing to do. Now, what is exactly Maranatha? I forget what Maranatha means. Somebody look that up and let me know. It's kind of, if I understand it, it's, it's kind of like an exclamation point to, uh, to the thought. Brother Joe? Yes. The literal, now it's interesting. 
my good Alan Bible footnotes Maranatha as our Lord cometh. Some modern translations will say the Lord is coming. It's, yeah. <clears throat> the uh, olive tree, which is one of my, my applications I use on my laptop, and it, it usually follows vine, Jerry. And I've found this in many other New Testament Greek dictionaries, changes the tense. The Lord has come. Right. Yeah. 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 There you yeah. go. Put the two the words together. What do you get? We have his example. <laughs> we need to imitate that example. The faith of Christ, a crucified lifestyle, needs to govern us. That's right. Not anathema. Grace needs to grace, govern us. Grace, grace. Yes. Amen. That's a beautiful point. <laughs> Amen. Another, another verse that comes to my mind is Acts 15:24. And this is in the letter that was authored as a result of the findings of the uh, Jerusalem Council. And the letter was to be sent back to Antioch Church as a, as a testament to what was decided on. And listen to that 24th verse. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words subverting your souls yeah saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment isn't that interesting isn't yeah. that interesting yeah yes. it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send unto you men unto you with our beloved barnabas and paul Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas. I was going to try to get, get back down. Okay, the 28th verse. I'm sorry. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these mm. necessary things. And Peter says uh, it was a burden that neither we or our ancestors were able to bear. So why should we put a yoke on them that we right. couldn't? That's right. Right. Uh isn't that interesting that the, yep. the troubling of your souls was by words and the intent was to subvert. To subvert. I'm trying to remember what does subvert mean in that, in that case, Joe, you, you have the definition, you have your Lunita thing going. <clears throat> Are you able to see it real fast? Let me see what it says. And, uh, well, where, where anybody got their concordance? Let's see on? to lay waste. Lay waste. lay waste by carrying off or destroying everything. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's yeah. that's mounts. It's it's a full undermining. I'll take that because that's what those men were trying to do to the Galatians. Right. The Galatians thought the opposite. They thought they yeah. had come to help them do more than what Paul said that he could help. Right. Them do. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. It says in the fourth chapter that they were zealous for the Galatians, and Paul says it's fine mm -hmm. to be zealously affected, uh, affected in a good thing. But the implication is that they were zealous. They were overly enthusiastic. May I just say, based on <clears throat> that kind of stuff, and this word troubled is used in our, uh, in the, our study verses, there is <clears throat> a hint at what's to come, and he's going to tell them that enthusiastic worship is fine, and except for when it's merged with bad doctrine. Right. Yeah, that's right. 
That's right, and, Mike. And when it is, right. it seems to it seems to not only reinforce the bad doctrine, it seems to make it even stronger to have a stronger hold on those who are thinking about it. It it the way that when you see people enthusiastic for something, you wonder, well, hey, what do they got? Maybe I want to be a part of that. And these guys were doing everything they could, yeah. not just to teach them out of the truth, but to uh, emotional them out of the truth, yeah. I guess. I don't know what yeah. else to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the accursed thing is a serious, serious thing. Right. Right. But that last verse, the 10th verse, has got layer upon layer. Jerry, Jerry we were talking about yeah, that. Verse. Yeah. Mike, let me jump in for a quick, quick second before you, you expound on the 10th verse. There's something that I, I think we have a tenant. I have a tendency sometimes to read over in this lesson. I don't, I pray I'll never do it again. You know, we have a tendency of looking at those that were subverting, those that were troubling. Paul includes himself first. Mm-hmm. He says, though we or an angel yeah. or I, right? Yeah. I, Paul was uniquely qualified to to write this letter obviously he did it by inspiration but by experience he well, lived a long a time he? <clears throat> he lived a long time as a man pleaser sure right yeah his sum total life was driven uh to profit at the expense of others and to elevate himself above others and and he mentions that in a number of different places in, in scripture. In a few verses, he's going to mention that. He, he, he does that very equals. Uh, right, uh, very specifically. He mentions it right, and over uh, in in Titus, he mentions it as well. Now he's not bragging about it. He's given kind of a resume of what not to do, <laughs> right? Um, so Paul is pronouncing this uh, anathema upon himself. If he reverts to man pleasing, and he makes the point, I think, and you're, you're going to jump into the the tenth verse, he makes the point that if if that's what he does, then he should not, and I submit, he could not be a servant of Christ. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Yes. That well, is the way to be a servant of Christ. Is it to is the there, there's no other there's Christ. no other option to that. And boy, I'll tell you, when we consider preaching the gospel, <laughs> we should we we must put ourselves right there in in those verses. Um, if we step away from Christ centered preaching, uh, not only what we preach, but why we preach it and how we preach it. And we step across the line to man-pleasing to any degree. We cease to be the fullness of the servant of Christ, as he has called us. Um, that, is, that is very serious. and very, it, gives, it gives me significant pause uh, because I like to be, I like to be liked uh, like we all do. And it's God forbid that human. we would... Yes, it is. But God forbid that we would take something as serious and as precious as uh, setting the gospel hand delivered by Christ in front of God's people for our own gain or benefit. That is a very, very serious thing. And I, I think Paul is making the point because later on, and to your point earlier, one of you, all three of you, I don't know, uh, you know, Paul is constantly trying to uh, reassert and requantify his um and qualify his apostleship because it was always in question. 
Well, I'll tell you what, if you're perceived as a man pleaser, your qualification is also in question. My mm-hmm. qualification is also in mm-hmm. question. Amen. Amen. There's a powerful point and we're hinting at it. A false teacher wants to influence other people for personal control and gain. They want you to be a tool in their hands. That's exactly right. Much of Paul's writing, Romans as a powerful example, and I would suggest Galatians was written in a specific literary style called dialectical reasoning. Mm-hmm. The, this was an ancient st- writing style. You're writing to someone who disagrees with you or, ha- or has a different view than you, but in dialectical argument, you're not striving to win the argument, but to win the person. Yeah, that's what Paul is trying to do in Galatians to win these people back to the gospel of Christ. Paul means nothing, Jesus means it all. Amen, brother Joe. That's right, very good. Because, uh, and I was reading up on Greco Roman uh, rhetoric, it it was a very important uh, discipline for young men of a certain economic stature to go and learn. The art of rhetoric, because it had mostly spoken communications, because not everybody, maybe not many people, knew how to read and write, and so you learned different kinds of ways to tell a speech, and one was the argumentative, and one was the you know the emotional appeal, and I forget all the headings of it. Well, you look at Paul's letter to the Galatians, and you think, well, it follows certain Greco-Roman rhetorical guidelines. I'm not saying that it it, and it it absolutely does not, but he didn't write it thinking, I'm trying to make this letter conform to a, a form of a letter, a rhetoric that I learned at school at Tarsus, for instance. I think what he did is he wrote a sermon. <laughs> he, Amen. he wrote a sermon that he meant to tell them by his own voice, and like I think Mark said one time, he wanted to change his voice. In other words, he didn't want to be screaming mad at them when he talked to them. He wanted to talk to them as a minister ought to. But since he could not go back to Galatia, he wrote his sermon and sent it back to them to be read. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I've, I've thought that, you know, there is the... The introductory part, there is the uh, the exordium, there is the uh, uh, narratio. I mean, I'm trying to say words that I don't even know how to say. Uh, but in the Latin, that's there's different things to describe certain parts of a letter. And I've, I've read analysis of Galatia based upon that precept or concept that Paul wrote it based on a certain rhetorical style. But I think if you do that, you're missing so much of Galatians. It's it's not it's unlike any other kind of Greco-Roman rhetoric you'll find anywhere. I think probably the schools would have said this is a lousy example of Greco-Roman rhetoric. And and I just want to say this about what Joe said: Paul didn't write to win an argument, to win a debate. 
he was writing to persuade these people to come back or not to leave. And uh, I don't know if the if it was entirely successful or not with uh, with the letter. I don't know if that we have any or much evidence to suggest that the letter did what Paul wanted, and the people re- repented and they sent those false teachers away. I'm kind of a half as glass empty person. I I, I think probably it didn't win every one of them back, and it didn't. It may have in some cases encouraged the false teachers to take things that Paul said and twist it to make their argument even that much stronger to people who didn't know better. And, you know, the devil uses the truth against God's people all the time, and he knows the Bible, and he quotes Scripture accurately, but he always applies it wrong. So this, uh, this last verse, the 10th verse, Jerry, thank you for letting me finally get back to it. Uh, I was looking at certain ways of uh, understanding when he says, for do I now persuade men or God? I came across this one. Uh, this was uh, in the, uh, by Jewish, a Messianic Jewish uh, theologian, whatever it's worth. And here's how he looked at what Paul said in the 10th verse. He says, now, does that sound as if I were trying to win human approval? I love that. I, now, whether or not it's exactly what Paul was getting at, I don't know. But I think it kind of fits the point of saying, let him be accursed. Mm-hmm. If I was really trying to please men, I wouldn't say something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and along with that, Paul's saying, if I wanted to please men, I sure wouldn't be preaching the, the doctrine that I have been preaching to you, because all it does, it seems, is stir up people against me. And, <laughs> and uh, I could get along a lot better with people if I just said, become like me, a Jew, and live like a Jew, and you'll be fine, certainly among his countrymen. But Paul says, I, I can only say what God would have me yeah. to say. Thank God for that. Okay. I've said too much. I'm sorry, but Mark, I, with with your finger on one side and your and your middle finger on the lips, it that's a sign to me that you have been really wanted to say something. Is that right? Did I, mis- <laughs> did I misread the hand signals? And I'm sorry. Bouncing off camera. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just want I don't, I I don't know what our time is. Are we? I I didn't. I forgot to set. A I timer. think we're nearing the hour, so we got yeah. few, we got some minutes. So yeah. just just for just a closing remark. Um, back to the into the grace of Jesus Christ that really just washed all over me, brother Mike, when you went to that, um, you know, it's, I, I, and I think a reminder that every time you see something about into grace or, or by grace, it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not necessarily talking about eternal salvation, although there are many mm. places that it does, but there is grace that we have in this life that Amen. plenty of scripture that, testifies of that. The one that came to mind, I think is Romans chapter five, verse two, where he mm. says, by whom also we have access by faith into this into grace. grace. But then he we're says, in, wherein we stand, we stand and rejoice. And right. Glory. I think that's how that's in the hope of, of our glory Lord, of uh, glory yeah, the hope of glory, glory of God. God. So, but he says, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So he's, so brother Mike, you, I think you use the term, the sphere of grace. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the apostle Paul is saying, and that's where we're standing in that, mm-hmm. in that, locale. In that yes. location and not just standing, but rejoicing. 
That's right. So the realization of inside that sphere of grace, we stand and rejoice. So I get why the apostle Paul is so strong, especially in these first few verses of this, of this letter. I get it. Cause if you think about Saul of Tarsus and where he was, and then after the Lord dealt with him on the road to Damascus, and then you think about Paul, the, the Lord didn't wipe Paul's mind clean of everything that happened prior not. to the Damascus road experience. <laughs> yep. Right. In yep. fact, I think it was kept there to use by Paul in his writings. He uses it in Galatians. He uses it in Philippians. He uses it elsewhere. And I think it was a plague to him, but, but can you imagine the mindset of the apostle Paul when he looks, when he was so far outside the sphere of grace, he couldn't even see it. And then the Lord deals with him. And then he steps into that grace and stands and rejoices. Oh my goodness. Oh, Paul had to have been so, I can't think of the right word. Not <clears throat> I mean, he was disappointed. He was upset. He was all of that. But don't you think he was more like, a, and brother Joe, you mentioned it more like a parent that looks at their child that <laughs> has stepped away. Maybe we can go to the 15th chapter of the gospel of Luke, right? And watches that child step away um, and thinking, oh, that they would stand where I'm standing, that they <laughs> would see what I'm blessed to see, that they would rejoice with me in the finished work of Christ and in a risen savior and right. not be pulled away into this heresy hey, that hey. means absolutely <clears throat> nothing to us. God, give us grace to stand in his grace yeah. and rejoice. <clears throat> yes. Yes. So thank you. closing thoughts, legs, stop bouncing. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, Jerry, closing thoughts. Oh, um, I mean, I don't know how many times uh, I can say amen um, to, to the things that have been said through this hour. Brother Mark, you had to go to Romans 5, and, <laughs> and I'm going to refrain because you said everything that needed to be said relative to the context of our study right. here. But my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Oh, that by God's grace, that we would truly, truly by faith access that grace that by God, by grace, we stand in. You can't access something that, that you don't possess, that hasn't been yeah. given to you, that you don't have access to. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. I, I, that's enough for that. You know, let me just say this. <clears throat> I hope and I pray that uh, the listeners of, of this podcast and, and the other ones that have gone before, and I pray that the ones that will follow, I hope in some way that you can, uh, you can see the level of excitement in, in the, uh, the three of us knuckleheads and then Brother Joe. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brother Joe, I will never call you a knucklehead, no matter what. <laughs> <clears throat> would I, I yeah well please, that's you let, let me yeah, <laughs> let me just let me just say this and i and i'll just say this and quit listen what god has given us is precious amen brother it is precious yeah. 
it is it, it is that which which, which we, if we will access it, brother Mark, it's it it is the abundant life, mm. um, and it it brings it brings joy uh, to the depth of our soul. It sets our mind upon glory, and God blesses us to take that knowledge, understanding, and 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 posture in our lives and apply it to to the walk of our lives. We we should live our life truly empowered by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Brother Joe, you're so right. Um, I'm crucified with him, uh, not just triumphantly. I'm crucified with him every single day. All that God will bless me to access that um, and use it to its fullest. Mm-hmm. Brothers, God bless you, man. This is it's going to be a good day today. For <laughs> <laughs> Joe. Given the, the terse tone that Paul uses in the beginning, I think it's important for us to get a deeper anchor to the man's heart. The, the four of us are parents. We've raised children. As much as we love our kids, They did not, as they were growing up, always do what we expected or taught them to do. And there were times when they, someone used the term knucklehead, they did knuckleheaded things and we had to be fairly terse with them. It broke our heart to do it, but we had to do it because of the gravity of what they were flirting with and the danger they put themselves in by what they were doing. While Paul is terse in the beginning, before he finishes this letter, he will refer to these people, my little Mm -hmm. children. There's a tone here. Mm. And I want to take you guys and all of our folks who are listening and studying with us. 800 years earlier to an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. And one of our favorite passages in Isaiah chapter 40, Mm. verse 2, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. The word comfortably is footnoted. And most King James Bibles that have the center column and footnotes speak to the heart. Heart. Mm. When we try to win people in the gospel, Don't get tangled up with their emotions. Don't get tangled up with superficial. Go to the core of their being. Speak to the heart. I believe that's what Paul is trying to do. He has to get their attention. But he, in the end, is going for their heart. Amen. Every time we preach, so should we. Amen. Amen. This this book is for us, and we need it. We sure do. I need it. Yes. Well, if you need it, I sure need it. <laughs> but, you know, you just proved to me why we should make a distinction between emotion and spirit. Mm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Because oftentimes <clears throat> we th- we, when we say we want a heartfelt religion, yeah, I'm sad to say People oftentimes mean I want something where I get to yell out loud, wave my arms, and and stomp my feet. 
uh, that's not necessarily the yeah. spirit and maybe it hardly ever is, maybe never is the way the spirit works. Sometimes the spirit works and you're just left there with your mouth open. It works quietly. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's tears from the eyes. Yeah. It's yeah. that still small <clears throat> voice. <clears throat> I think, uh, I'm going to already regret not saying things that Jerry and I, that we talked about yesterday, Jerry. I thought, man, if I can just remember 5% of the things that we <laughs> talked about, it would be one of the best uh, sections of the whole study. But I really think we got to the gist. I, I hope so. Let's get to the gist of what Paul was getting at. This is a very personal letter. Right, Joe? It's a very, very personal letter. More so than so. any of his other letters. And it what they did, it hurt his heart. Yeah. But what he sees even more tragic is that what they were doing was against God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul didn't and die for their, their own sins. Heart. Jesus did. Yeah. And what they're doing is not against Paul. It's against Jesus. Yeah. It's a repudiation yeah. of Jesus is what they're doing. Yep. Repudiating his work, his person, and the and the and God who sent him, and his That's, example for them. Yep. That's right. Amen. You know, Mark, what you said about uh, Romans five two, and Jerry about the about we need to stand. I had to think about Galatians five one. Mm, right. Where it says, "Stand, stand therefore, fast, therefore, in the mm-hmm. liberty wherewith Christ hath made." Yep. yep. Made us, made, made us free. free. Made us free. And be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Yes. I I think there there is a place, it's called the church, uh, the house of the living God, the church of the living God, the house of God, that is the pillar and ground of the truth. Right. Not of all truth, mm. but of a singular truth that only the church is the possessor of. Mm. And it's not a sign. It's not a emotionalist kind of a truth. It is a truth that throughout the successive generations has stimulated the mind and touched the heart. And that is the truth that those churches <clears throat> were departing from. They were defecting from. May we not do that, because when you become more important about how you look, how you're coming across. How many people can you appeal to? How how can you make yourself come across? That is man-pleasing. Mm-hmm. Paul did a lot of that in his former life. Everything he did was to please men, to, to work his way up the corporate ladder, so to speak. If you're serious about the gospel, if you're serious about the God that the gospel proclaims, hear ye him and do as he commands. And it won't make you obnoxious. It'll fill you with grace. That's yes. right. Yes. That's It'll right. Keep you from being a knucklehead most of the time, too. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, uh, Jerry, I'm just like you. You give me five more minutes. I'll take. Oh, minutes. my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's so good. And it's so good. I hope they listen to you. I hope the listeners, please, please, please. <laughs> Spend some time in a very current letter. Amen. It speaks a very current message. Yeah. Anything else, brethren, you, we, we need to say? Mm. 
then we will uh, dismiss by prayer and uh, remind you that next Tuesday we will take it up again and we will start in Galatians 11, chapter 1, verse 11, and go to the end of the first chapter, which is uh, verse 24. Is that mm-hmm. right? Or did we decide that we need to break that up? No, I think that's, we're no, going to try okay. to do that. Try to do that. Yeah. Try to do that. And that, you're going to see some really interesting things in that mm-hmm. section of scripture that I think is absolutely powerful. Okay. And uh, pray for us as we study. May please, please. What we do is pleasing on the side of God. So we will go to the Lord. Brother Mark Rao, would you ask the Lord to dismiss us, please? Yes. Our Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we're so thankful for another opportunity to study thy word and to discuss such great things that thou hast bestowed upon us and the knowledge of thy truth. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would uh, do as the Apostle Paul commanded us to stand and rejoice in this grace that thou hast given us in our lives, that we would ever look to thee for um, the guidance into all thy truth. And Heavenly Father, that you would bless each one that listens to this with a knowledge and understanding of how much and uh, how important and how critical it is for us to follow after the truth as it is in Christ Jesus and look to him uh, for our all in all. Continue to bless us as we do this. May all the glory be thine. Continue to strengthen us in life's pathways. Forgive us of all of our sins. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good night to the dear people, brethren. Good night. We'll see you.